Parallel is one of the most exciting upcoming NFT gaming projects and we just recently here at Balthazar did an amazing research report on this game and we could not be more hyped for it. After that report went live, we got a follow-up interview with one of the team members, Fitch. Nico the Pico, our chief gaming officer, and I got to sit down with Fitch for an about an entire hour talking about the NFT gaming industry, talking about their project Parallel, and this was an incredible conversation. So I hope you stay tuned for the entire thing and enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome everybody, and thank you so much. Today we have Fitch here from Parallel. Fitch, uh, how's it going? I want you to just take a second here, introduce yourself, and what is your role here with this Parallel project? Yeah, hey everyone. Um, you know, great to great to chat with you guys, and you know, Nico, uh, great to chat with you again. Yeah, I um, run growth at Parallel, um, and so that's kind of marketing and just thinking about how the different departments you know, fit together and what each of them are producing that can, you know, help our, our business grow and um, become, you know, a game that a lot of people want to play. So we're, uh, we're somewhere in the middle of the, the development cycle, relatively speaking, um, probably a little bit past the midpoint. So uh, it's exciting period for our project and kind of, you know, beginning to think about what that game launch is going to look like. Yeah, and we're excited to have you. I think, Nico, you were saying earlier in, in the research team, right, this is like one of the Biggest projects and one of the most exciting that you guys have covered so far. You, do you agree with that? Yeah, like I think I think we're not gonna have another research report on an unreleased game that beats the parallel research report, both in the depth and the length, and also the 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 end result of it. Like I'm, I'm very happy with it. It became, it, it became our little baby, honestly. And, um, I'm really proud of it. And honestly, parallel kind of made it easy for us because there was a lot of good things to discuss and, and, um, a lot of, uh, different caveats to, to, to talk about and discuss and, and look into. So we really got to test our skills on a lot of different aspects and storytelling and researching. And yeah, it was great. I think you guys knocked it out of the park on that one. <laughs> it was so much material and uh, everything was kind of covered in, in depth. And so we we really enjoyed that and the community really enjoyed it. And we've certainly been kind of beginning circulating it around a little bit. So uh, certainly it's one of those things where, you know, we're going to have some shorter material for, you know, prospective partners. And then if they're like, you know, questioning and, and asking more, probably just send them right to that report because it, it really does cover so much. Yeah, I mean, it took me just... It probably took me two hours to go through just to condense my thoughts about the video and then extra time to shoot that. So, yeah, great stuff there, Nico and the team and Fitch. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts here about Parallel specifically. Yeah, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts here in the NFT gaming industry so far? Like, what do you see the space being right now? What do you think Parallel is going to add to it? And what do you think is going to set Parallel apart from some of the current NFT games that we're seeing out there right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, um, it's ironic to kind of maybe badmouth the industry that I work in, but I think we can we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say that there's not that many good games. Um, I don't know if there are, frankly, any really, really good games at this point. I, I think that that's kind of the thing that's lagged behind. You look at what's happening in, in sort of the Web3 movement broadly, it's about sovereignty and ownership and uh, new forms of reward and financialization of digital goods. And these are all really exciting and important things, but when you're applying that to gaming, it's not enough if the game isn't isn't great. And 
Um, I don't know if we've really seen any any greatness in the Web3 gaming space yet. And we have aspirations to provide that. And I think that's part of the reason why we're taking our time to develop the game and do testing and balancing internally and make sure that we're delivering something that we feel has a really, really good chance of being excellent. Um, so I think to answer your question, you know, the industry right now is in a state of maturation. And I think that later this year and, and beginning of next year, we're going to start seeing really quality games come out. Um, and one of those is going to be parallel, right? So we have an internal client that we're, we're playing now and I'm having a blast. And I was never a TCG guy before this, but you know, I'm having a really, really fun time. The game has balance, it has depth, it has excitement. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's that kind of the rewards mechanisms and tinkering with those has come a long way. But what I think we're going to start to see in the industry and specifically with Parallel is great games catching up, right? And so great games plus these new ways to think about rewards, that's a really powerful recipe. And that's kind of just what I mean by the industry maturing. Um, specifically with Parallel, I think the quality of the game will set us apart. Also the way that we're thinking about rewards, right? So, you know, you think of traditional esports, and Nico, you know this, like the very small percentage of people are getting the rewards, right? Like 0.1% and they're getting all of it. And so, you know, that makes it hard to be a gamer who wants to earn, right? And, and continue to progress. Um, but at the same time, you can't just have any old player getting rewards because it creates this negative feedback loop with the market. And it's just frankly not incentivizing competitiveness. So what Parallel is doing that's different is more of a win to earn ecosystem. So you, you actually have to be competitive um, and progressing as a player to be earning. And I think that other major play to earn games are just play to earn. Let's just do anything and, uh, and you're gonna get rewarded in a, in a relatively equal way. Um, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna basically make it so that, you know, your activity, your percentage of NFTs in your deck, you know, maybe some of the keys that you have, which we could talk about later, you know, all of these things, but most importantly, player success and time spent will go to augmenting the amount of prime rewards that you get. So um, I think that's an important thing that Parallel is doing. So quality of gameplay, just really, really focusing on that, making a great competitive game, and then making it so that the incentives make you want to be a more competitive player. That's how you create an atmosphere for a game that's that's exciting. Um, and that's what we've said from day one. We want a competitive, great game. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's even in my own play. Like, you know, I, I'm kind of known for playing Splinterlands and there's been a big shift in my mentality of, oh, I'm just going to come into rank play, casually play and soak up a bunch of rewards. And mm -hmm. now I've had so much more fun, so much more engagement entering tournaments and trying to earn that way. And it's it's more of that what you're saying of, hey, winning to earn and trying to be competitive, there's a, a reason to actually climb this game instead of just sit here and soak up all these rewards. And, and Nico, I want to get your thoughts here as someone that's on all this research here and Balthazar's views. What do you think about this mentality between play to earn and just try to soak up all these rewards and extract the value versus like, I need to win to earn and I need to be competitive in these games. What do you think about that? You know, I, I, I thought of so many different aspects here uh, in your little story here, Fitch. And... Um, I want to start with that the reason why I got into League of Legends was because Riot Games was hosting tournaments with more price money than all the other games at the time. So I was actually playing uh, Guild Wars at a high level in PvP. I was playing uh, StarCraft, both Brood War and StarCraft Wings of Liberty uh, in the beta. 
and Riot Games comes along and offers tournaments with more cash money to be won even for third place than I would win in a StarCraft tournament for placing first. So I literally started playing League of Legends because the price was there and I went into the game with the intention to win. I'm going to get good enough so I can win and I can actually sustain myself through this game. Um, and I, I love to hear this like more focus toward rewarding players who are actually playing well, more so than rewarding farmers mm -hmm. and uh, like just auto click and, and bottable gameplay. Like I love to hear this and, and something else that really stood out to parallel with uh, for us uh, in the research and compared to a lot of games that we've seen is that you're not rushing your product. You're not releasing a uh, very simple uh, MVP that really doesn't showcase anything just to do another money grab. You're actually working on a proper product and you're rather building up hype for this product and you're doing proper marketing. You're doing really good job of teasing your community, teasing the market, showcasing this and that. Like every single time there's a new post from the parallel tweet, uh, the Twitter account, and there's a card, there's so many beautiful cards. I just, I, I, I actually like take multiple seconds every single time just looking at them and sending them around internally in my team because it's 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 amazing to see that and it's beautiful and it's it's uh, what I consider healthy and organic hype building for your game mm -hmm. and yeah I I think Parallel's already done a great job at at differentiating itself in the space mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very interested to see how this continues uh, closing in on launch. Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit on another thing that should certainly be mentioned with what differentiates us. The art is uh, unbelievable, right? Like on a daily basis, I'm kind of absolutely stunned by some of the pieces that are being made. I think one is dropping like right now, actually, uh, or very soon, um, or maybe it just dropped. But yeah, I, uh, I, I'm just really blown away by the quality of the artist. I mean, we have, you know, an Emmy winner on the team. We have people who are truly legends, right? Worked on, you know, Halo or Call of Duty, uh, you know, uh, you know, LucasArts, so Star Wars, right? Like that's the pedigree of the, of the art team and, um, and sort of the broader visual team. And then you also have the AR, right? Which is really amazing stuff. The 3D and immersive side of parallel. Um, we've also got truly, you know, legendary, highly skilled people on that team. So I think these things help to build the sense of immersion and for me, I'm a lore buff, right? Like I love lore uh, in video games. And I, I encountered Parallel very, very early. I think I was like the third person to buy a card. And the quality of the lore plus the art and some of the AR stuff, it pulls you into that, right? Like it, it gives you that feeling of being inside of a new universe, which I crave in, in video games. And I would say is a rare, a rare thing, right? You know, you get that in Oblivion or Skyrim or, or games of that caliber, right? And so I think that's what you that's what you want um, as a gamer is feeling like I'm in a new world, and then you want the game to be fun, and then you want the rewards to be incentivizing you to get better. And I think that's the combination of things that are going to make Parallel really stand out as we move closer to the game release.
Yeah, I'm definitely really excited for the augmented reality piece and, and also mm. quite curious to hear from you and the team because I think it's one of those things that's like, this is a really cool concept, you know, in the research report I was talking about, like, it'd be sweet to be able to play this online, but then also if I have a friend with a phone right next to us, it's like, we're playing yeah. Magic the Gathering as kids again, right, you know, on the tabletop, but it's just augmented reality. And yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, uh, in that research, it was talking about parallel seas more of the future actually being augmented reality layered into the real world versus, hey, we're all going to sit in our closets with our virtual reality helmets on 24-7. We never you know, leave the house. And, and that's the metaverse, right? So yeah. what, what is the, I guess, belief or philosophy behind that? How do you see the future in some of this new tech that you guys are trying to implement? Yeah, I mean, I'll paraphrase, um, you know, Tommy, who's one of our AR team leads and, um he talks about certainly that AR feels like it has kind of more diverse potential. Um, and I think that makes sense from a practical perspective, right? The headsets are clunky, you know, the, the sense of, uh, immersiveness in VR is certainly there, but who's carrying around a large headset with them, right? They're not. So, but would you carry around a pair of like spectacles, uh, or your phone becomes, you know, right now the primary interface with AR and everyone has a phone everywhere now pretty much. And so that, that makes the world around you, um, interactable. And so that that's one perspective. I think also, though, from Parallel's decision-making, we've hedged our bets, right? So you notice that the right now the AR is interactive with your phone, and what we've shown is like essentially like a playable uh, game board demo that is, like you said, a, a version of tabletop that is communicated through sort of this AR-VR uh, mixture or, you know, playable in both contexts. So it's it's not like we're we're married to one or the other or like we're specifically trying to design for one metaverse. That's kind of the whole idea why every card that is put out is going to have corresponding AR objects, right? Um, or excuse me, 3D objects is the better, the better phrase. Um, so these become composable sort of you know, designs, right? That they can, they can go into maybe an AR experience. They can go into a VR experience. They can go into any one of the different metaverses, whichever one may be ascendant at the end of the day. So essentially what we're, what we're saying is we're taking like a hedged bet on the future being more immersion, but we're not marrying ourselves just to AR or just to VR or just to one metaverse. We're saying, let's create the potential to interact with all of it. Um, and so that kind of takes the parallel universe essentially, and it bootstraps it into all these other these other places. And so now the the value of your card, which becomes the gateway to that three D object, is increased because it's essentially this open portal to the metaverse, as as we sort of collectively call it. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I I'm just picturing. <laughs> You know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just picturing, you know, did you guys grow up watching, you know, like Yu-Gi-Oh or Beyblade, these animes, right? And it's like you pull the Beyblade or you turn the, the blue eyes white dragon card and all of a sudden it like pops out, right? 100%. Yeah, I think, um, well, we we say the pot of greed quote all the time internally, like I summon pot of greed. That, that video gets referenced on like a weekly basis. But um, yeah, the... You know, the other references, uh, Dejaric, the hollow chess in Star Wars, right? So when they're playing on the Millennium Falcon and, you know, those like sort of 3D creatures are there, um, that's that's another source of inspiration as well. So, yeah, it's it's the cool thing about Parallels. It's very much getting to live through like, you know, sort of childhood fantasies in many ways of all of this future technology being now um, accessible and real. And, 
you know, being able to build with it and create a universe. And, you know, an example of that is the comics um, that we're preparing now, you know, getting to be involved in the creation of comics and actually creating lore as someone who's been a lifelong, you know, enjoyer of lore is, is amazing, right? It's, so it's um, in many ways kind of a dream job because, you know, I, it marries the sort of interest in, you know, sovereignty and decentralization and um, experiments with money and value that are represented by crypto and NFTs with sci-fi and lore and gaming and all these other things that I've loved for so many years and kind of merging those into one um, and actually being creating it in real time rather than just experiencing it. So. Yeah. Nico, what are your thoughts on this as uh, someone that's looking into all these games? How much of this future tech is exciting to you? Or is it like, oh, that's kind of unrealistic and far out. We don't need to worry about that stuff yet. It's not very practical. You know, what does this mean to the research team at Balthazar? Yeah, I, I, I want to start uh, a bit earlier and then I'm going to go back into AR. Um, Fitch was talking quite a bit about lore. Um, and it's really funny that the intensity of the lore and the game is immaculate. And, and the impression that it lasted upon us and the alpha team doing the research was huge. And also on our readers and the feedback we've gotten, uh, people have been missing the lore part on other reports. And, and we're like, I'm oh, sorry, but there just isn't any lore. <laughs> like, it doesn't exist yet, right? And yeah. so having an unreleased game that's already put this amount of focus into lore and doing it properly and making the lore interesting and making you want to explore worlds and making you want to learn more, that is powerful. That is very powerful. Getting to see that lore come to life is next level, right? You're talking about uh, having people in the sign from Halo, um, Star Wars. I was a huge Halo nerd to the Me point too. where I bought the Halo books and read all the Halo books. <laughs> and it's like you get this connection to stories, right? And you want to learn more and you want to read more and you just want to stay in that universe in your head. And, and I think that the the power of that, if it's done properly, and the thesis that we've gotten on the outside are already very good and and it shows a lot of potential and and just like uh, luke says like our head starts spinning about the potential of this like can we tabletop it like can we have friends over and play it together and see it come to life and if you get engaging lore with that and you get to see it come alive um you're suddenly entering a, a field of gaming that the regular PC gaming and console gaming have not been able to touch like since it, it came into existence. And that's fighting with tabletop games and, and physical uh, card games and physical board games, right? But you're now actually becoming a competitor to them. And I think that's incredibly cool. Yeah, I, I think the the one point that I want to make too before we move on um, regarding lore is just how real the parallel story is. You know, I that that was my immediate sense of reading it was like this feels like it could and maybe even will happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, kind of the idea of the need to create sustained energy to essentially drive the future of civilization um, and our energy requirements sort of always going up and up and up. 
And so in the relatively near future from the present day is when they try and, you know, create this experiment um, to, to generate that energy and it goes horribly wrong, right? The planet is now irradiated. They have to flee in a very realistic way. One group is left behind, you know, different uh, sort of cuts of uh, types of humanity are, end up escaping on four different ships. They go to four different destinations to improve chances of survival and they end up evolving into different kinds of, of humans, right? And then they all come back to do battle for Earth. That It's realistic, it's real, it's gritty, right? Um, there's there's ups, there's downs. And I think people will see as we start to roll out more of the lore, you know, we are going into a lot of detail. Um, so, you know, what makes up each culture? You know, what are the words that they use, right? Um, what are the things that they do? Uh, so I think that's going to be really, really exciting to show people because I, I'm personally just so invested in, in lore and how important it is, like you said, for that sense of immersion. Yeah, the lore is amazing and it's definitely captivating and I'm excited to see how that plays out in the game. I do think it is one of those things, as you said, that, yeah, it could be real. It could be a future. Uh, I just got to be honest, though. I, I hope I'm dead by that future because it, yeah, sounds, it sounds kind of rough. For them. I want to be long gone. That's, yeah. Yeah. The cataclysm part is not super, super fun. Maybe yeah. the after part. Right? Yeah, there we go. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they're all kind of fighting against each other. So I that's don't know. true. So it's a it, is, conflict. it is a war. So that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, take that into account. So awesome. Well, I love all that you got going on with the lore, the AR, lots of exciting things. I want to talk and address some more of like what could be potential challenges upcoming for P Parallel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the hardest things that we've seen currently in the NFT gaming space is how to acquire new players and actually get them to engage with the game rather than just coming, hey, let me make that quick buck. You know, I, I get that question all the time. How? What are the games the cheapest get into and that I can make like $100 a day, right? It's just totally right. unrealistic. And so I want to I want to know from you and the team, like, how are you guys addressing these things of getting new players? You know, you got the challenge of right now being on ETH, which is a little bit more expensive in fees. And yep. then you also have the challenge of like, how do we release card supply so yep. that new players can get into the game, but also so that all these old players aren't losing their value, right? So yeah. I, I know that was kind of a big question tied up to it, but maybe you can kind of tackle one piece at a time and, there, and a, address some of those challenges. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's a great sort of composite of questions. Um because there are challenges, right? And and part of it's because of the nascence of this industry overall, and part of it's just the position that we're in um, distinctly as the kind of game and experience that we're trying to build. Um, I guess I'll start with the the ETH L1 part. Um, so, you know, obviously ETH L1 has challenges. Over time, ETH, ETH is sort of progressing towards a point where those challenges are minimized, but we have to be sort of more proactive in what we do um, to prepare for that, right? And and kind of create an experience that's user-friendly in the meantime. Part of that, I think, is like sort of Web 2 um, and sort of pseudo Web 2, Web 3 infrastructure. One of the examples of this is the vault system that we developed, um, which in the future is going to essentially facilitate even swapping of cards in a, in a sort of gasless manner. Um, so it's still sort of sovereign and tied to your own Web 3 wallet and signature. But, you know, because it has um, sort of a more centralized mechanic, uh, like a typical vault would, you know, you can make swaps in a, a gas-free manner. So there's like this whole set of sort of Web2 infrastructure and ways that we build the game where we can make it so that you're not constantly having to spend gas to interact with the game itself or even to do other basic actions, right? And then obviously there's the, the scaling beyond ethel one consideration. I think there's really a lot of exciting potential with, with Omnichain right now. 
um, and what Layer Zero is doing. You know, there's others, other uh, networks like Polygon, you know, that have promise. So I think we're we're kind of in the process of exploring what makes sense in terms of the actual blockchain scaling itself. But I think the most immediate and substantive answer is you shouldn't always have to be using gas to do basic things. Right now, I think one of the, the key challenges is the economics of uh, cheaper cards, where the gas is actually more than the cost of the card. So, you know, those are situations that we're trying to mitigate. And that was part of the reason for developing the vault system in the first place is that, you know, your cards could uh, theoretically or should potentially go directly to this vault system. And then it wouldn't be like you actually have to do anything with them, right? So sort of incur that gas cost. You know, you think about it, if you if you get more rare parallel cards, um, certainly those are going to have really significant market values in many cases. But the common and uncommon cards generally shouldn't, right? Um, but what's the value of them? I'm going to use them to play the game, right? I'm going to use them to play the game. That's going to give me opportunities to earn because I am using NFTs in my deck. And the way it works with Parallel, the more NFTs you have in your deck, you know, in terms of total deck composition, the more you earn. Um, so you don't have to have NFTs, but it's encouraged by, you know, the, the way that the win to earn and play to earn mechanic works. So those cards are not valueless. They are functional in the sense that you can use them to derive value by playing the game and winning, but they are also sort of prohibitive to use on L1 directly. And so we're, we're trying to create sort of infrastructure that prevents you from having to do that in the first place. Um, so they're still perfectly usable in game, tied to your identity, withdrawable at any time, able to key you into access to rewards, but they themselves by nature should not necessarily be valuable, right? Um, in terms of just their own value on the market. So I think that's that's one part of, uh, you know, the answer to your questions. The other one is like, how do we manage supply of cards? So we've created this system called Lineage, which is really, really fascinating. So essentially, if you're owning sort of like the primary editions of cards, you will have, you know, a combination of Prime, which is the, the token that will be, you know, sort of powering the, the parallel earn ecosystem, and you have XP, that you earn for playing the game and, and doing other actions, right? So taking a combination of Prime and XP and owning one of these sort of original primary edition cards, you can create yourself as the end user other copies of that card, which will be marked differently. So essentially you are able to yourself spawn these cards and sort of control the flow of the supply as the end user. So in a Web3 world, it's a really interesting way to think about how card economics works, right? Um, it's not a central issuer who's able to sort of just at any given time print a bunch more of a certain card. You know, you yourself can identify where there's economic opportunity and need. So if a certain card, for example, is really, really effective in the game, but the available supply right now is minimal, and you have one of the primary, you know, sort of first edition versions of that card or special editions, you can say, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of Prime, some of my XP, and I'm going to spawn five of these, and I'm going to sell them. And that's how I'm making money with Parallel right now, right? And the market will say, great, we want that. So it's it's a really cool way to sort of make the individual cardholders and players retailers in the Parallel universe, right? You are sort of in control in many respects of a ton of different aspects of, of Parallel. And in this case, Quite literally, the, the card supply itself is something that you can influence. 
Um, and that will sort of balance itself out because of, you know, the natural sort of economic rules that that would govern that type of, you know, supply and demand relationship. But that's a really cool way to add value to cardholders, right? Because now as a cardholder, not only do you have something that will have its own sort of intrinsic value, right? Its own collectability, but it also will unlock rewards in a game for its usage. But also <laughs> layer three, you can use that to create additional uh, product, right? That becomes the ability to create more retail products. So that's a really, really interesting thing that we're we're going to be rolling out that should, for one, give a use case for the prime token that's really compelling. Uh, two, you know, make the players themselves and the card holders arbiters of supply. So I think I addressed the two major questions. Was there any ones that I I missed there? Yeah. Oh, I guess challenges overall, right? Acquiring new players. So that's probably the last. Piece. Sure, I'll. I'll... I'll let you come back and circle to that, but I'm curious about the card supply specifically. You know, I, I think from what we've seen in this space that the supply is so hard to figure out, right? And I think there's, you yeah. know, a lot of people traumatized even from Axie, right? It's like, I, mm -hmm. I bought in Axie's $1,000 for three of them. I'm going to breed them all of a sudden. And then, then there's no way to combat the supply, right? They just keep breeding and breeding and breeding. And all of a sudden now we're seeing Axie's all the way down at like $15, right? Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some ways to maybe kind of help curb that supply and make sure people aren't coming in just to like, hey, I'm not going to play the game. I don't really care about the game. I just want to get some NFTs, breed more and more and more, or in this case, print more and more cards until there's just so much supply that there isn't you know enough players to actually use it up, right? So right. How, how does the team address that? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be cost prohibitive to to do that because you have to think about it in the context that we're talking about. You have to spend XP, which is earned by playing. So there's no way around that, right? If you if you want to be someone who's actually participating in this card supply um, creation ecosystem, you have to be participating in parallel, period. Second of all, it's going to involve Prime. And the way that we're looking at Prime is making Prime's value related to difficulty of obtaining it, right? It, it should be hard to get Prime. Um, you think about it, things that are hard to get in life end up having more value. Um, and that's just that's just part of the way that it it works. And so, if Prime is tied to winning a hard game, not hard in in sort of just like a general sense, but like you have to work hard and win to be able to derive this Prime currency. And Prime and XP combined is what it takes to spawn. Then you're sort of already bought into the system at that point. There there isn't really a way to be farming that and exploiting that, right? So. Um, and it, it, to your point, if you're just wantonly printing cards that nobody wants, you're now negative, right? You've you've spent value to do this, and nobody's buying them. So what what was the point, right? So it that kind of behavior should sort of be necessarily prohibited, right? Like it wouldn't, the average person wouldn't ever do that because they would be losing their own money. The only way it works is. I've played the game and I've understood the meta, right? I have gone out and I've spent my own money to get one of these earlier editions of the cards that's eligible to spawn from. I have earned Prime and I've earned XP and I've identified fifth that there is a need in the market for this specific card because I played the game, right? Now I'm spawning. And that's going to be a value positive experience, but it's not going to be an extractive one for the game ecosystem. So it's about creating counterbalances. I think that's the really important thing. It's thinking about human behavior in the context of the game. And we do a ton of modeling around this for everything that we do essentially. Um, and then kind of 
rolling out what the, the implications of that are and then creating sort of systems that are reinforcing and balancing that behavior. And I think that's one of those situations that we've tried to do at every level for Prime itself, create a bunch of game sinks where the, the Prime comes back and then some of it may be sort of pulled over here, but then it loops back into the ecosystem. You know, it's, it's about creating value because things are challenging and fun and rewarding, um, not just being able to sort of extract or print or farm. Um, that's very much not the kind of game and, and sort of uh, economic environment that we're building. We're building one where it's like real work, real attention, real understanding are required. And if you have those things, you will certainly be able to create a lot of value for yourself. Yeah, great stuff. Nico, what are your thoughts as uh, Fitch is explaining all that? What do you think about this system compared to other ones that you've seen? Well, um, when we were doing the research, um, we, we always try to find potential issues. And then we kind of list out these potential issues. And then we try to figure out if the game has already answered them. And it's like on every corner, there's an answer. And, and some of the answers were to problem that we didn't even think about, which was very surprising, honestly. Um, I think no matter what, though, there will be issues. And eventually, you'll have to adapt to issues that you didn't think of and we didn't think of and nobody thought of. Yeah. And although you have a model and you have a, a thought already and you've already protected yourself in so many different ways to manage the the supply of the cards there might still be something that happens um and the adaptability to handle issues when they happen is also going to be extremely important but um from from an investor perspective or from a player perspective i would feel quite confident in parallel's ability to handle that based on the the depth that's already put into managing the supply of cards and the intricacies around it like the more intricate it is and the more simpler you can explain it and the more sense it makes the more trust you give to the end user that you're going to both be able to control it from the beginning but also handle new potential issues and i think that that comes through very well and you explained it very well here as well yeah, I appreciate that that feedback. And you're so right. And, you know, there will always be things, even as much forethought as we put into this, as much modeling as we do, um, there will always be things that you don't expect. And, you know, there's always in sort of the Web3 world in general, people trying to figure out ways to, to crack things, you know. And so we have, thankfully, a lot of the very smart people who crack things, uh, you know, the white hats um, internally as well. And, and so we, we always sort of ask them for feedback and ask them to try and break things, models that we come up with. Um, and that helps us be prepared. But even still, you're going to arrive at situations where you have to be adaptable. I think um, the one of the things that I would say to that point is the whole echelon ecosystem that's sort of next to parallel um, is really shown a lot of promise in being, you know, adaptable to things and helping you know, sort of create more sustainable models. And when changes need to be made to game ecosystem, um, if there are things that are more voted on and in community hands, being quick to sort of act on those. Um, thus far, I think we've seen a lot of really, really great developments out of the Emissary Primes who are sort of the 11, um, I guess, governors, if you will, of 
the sort of broader Prime ecosystem, which includes Parallel, but will in the future include other games as well. Um, so if changes need to be made, you know, to the way the lineage system is working, um, and there are things that are, you know, maybe intentionally outside of Parallel's control alone, those decisions I feel very confident um, would be made and made swiftly by those emissaries. So I think that we've created um, systems that support adaptability as well. Yeah. I love how you guys are thinking through things and setting things up. And I think, as you said, like there's always going to be problems. And part of it, right, is that this industry is so new that it's mm -hmm. there's not really that many examples to go back and look at. You know, we've seen maybe how not to do things from other projects. Right. But it, yeah. it's going to well, be a, a hard road. Right. Look at Magic the Gathering. They've, they've yeah. had controversies, you know, uh, the Power Nine themselves are a sort of a controversial thing, um, especially the way that they handled that whole process. So it's not like it's just Web3 gaming. You know, it, it's card TCG, CCG card gaming in general has challenging issues, right? Some cards come into the meta, some cards go out of the meta, right? The control of supply and issue and, and all of those things can be uh, difficult to deal with. And so I think we've tried to learn as best as we can from, like you said, the examples that are available to us. And then just think in a creative way, like what, what hasn't been done before, right? Like what are some ways to think about this that haven't been thought of? And so I think the lineage system is actually kind of a zero to one sort of innovation. Like, I don't know if that's ever really been thought of like that um, or even possible because of the way that Web3 sort of opens up new opportunities. So it's uh, it's fascinating to think that like maybe this is actually a fundamental innovation in the way that sort of card supply in general might work. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll certainly see. And um, it's fun, you know, to experiment with. And if something doesn't work, we'll we'll adapt it quickly. So, yeah, I love that. I love that mentality. Let's talk about the flip side of that equation, though, right, is when card prices are so absurdly high that it's hard for newer players to get into the game. So I want to I want to get your thoughts here and maybe the team's thoughts as well of how do you get new players? And especially when market prices are high, we've seen some games where it's like, oh, to start even playing this game it's two grand, right? And as a, as a normal gamer that's used to $60 video games on their Xbox or Nintendo Switch, right? It's like, why would I ever spend two grand to start playing this game, right? And maybe yeah. if you're crypto rich, you're like, oh, that's no big deal. I, I'm going to get in. Uh, so how do, you, how do you think about that flip side, getting new players? And especially like, is there a certain point that you're like, I hope that this is the entry price for gamers that they can get into this game and enjoy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that the entry price to play Parallel is $0. Like, you you do not have to use NFTs to play Parallel. That was very, very important for the game team from the beginning, is that we didn't want to be restrictive to the kind of players that could play. We didn't want to be a pay-to-win game either. Um, so the at, at a competitive level, playing Parallel is not going to be influenced by the NFTs that you have, right? Like you're not going to be more likely to win if you have NFTs. Also, you don't have to have any NFTs to play if you don't want. But if you think about the way the system is designed, so I'm a new player, right? And I, I start in one of the game modes that's, you know, no NFTs at all. We call that apparitions. So I'm playing with just apparitions, which are just digital versions of cards that are not NFTs. Um, and I start winning and I, I get competitive and I start moving up the ladder, I'm going to be earning prime, but it's not going to be that much. But what it is going to do is it's going to give me an opportunity to invest that into some NFTs. So now essentially what I've done, I gone out and I've played 20 games and let's say that I win 15 of those games. That'd be amazing. <laughs> be a really solid win rate. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a little, uh, pool of prime that I've earned and I've got some XP and I'm like, okay, 
which was the card that was kind of most integral to my deck. Let me go buy that using the prime that I've earned. And now I'm going to be earning a little bit more prime when I play. And now I've identified three more cards that are pretty key to my deck. And I buy those three and now I'm earning even more prime. And so essentially it's this way to kind of pull you deeper into the ecosystem where you don't have to have any cryptocurrency or any NFTs to start. You will be able to earn your way to getting, you know, the cryptocurrency, earn your way to getting more NFTs in your deck, earn your way to increased percentages of, of prime that you're getting by as a result of that. And so that's part of the magic, I think, of the economic system of parallel is it's designed to pull you deeper into it, right? It's designed to reward you more if you invest back into it. So that's the difference between this model and extractive models like we've seen very often in the play to earn space. The other thing is just in general, there's a challenge of getting sort of gamers at large into the NFT space. I think a lot of that's just the zeitgeist around NFTs sort of people believing that every NFT burns a tree or something like that, which we obviously know is not true. Um, but I think that that sort of broader perception is going to start to change. Certainly the ETH merge should have a lot to do with that and changing you know, more global perceptions around NFTs, especially Ethereum NFTs. Crypto in general is kind of becoming more mainstream every month. Um, so I think that, you know, views at large, and I've had some conversations with esports organizations and they're all like, yeah, I mean, secretly we're, we're pretty interested in this. <laughs> we're just not talking about it publicly right now. And it's like, okay, that's fine. And, and so I think, you know, for parallel, um, we want to create a game that is intrinsically great. And so that should create along with the economic ecosystem around it, um, organic growth, you know, but we are going out there and we're having conversations with, you know, with esports individuals, um, you know, be they streamers or what have you, uh, with gaming organizations, be they guilds or traditional esports, and just saying, hey, hello, nice to meet you. Um, you know, here's what we're doing. And we think it's really interesting. And the answer in 100% of cases has been, yes, this is very interesting. We are interested. So I think, you know, more of that kind of stuff just building bridges, right? So that when the time comes, maybe parallel is the game that gets them in um, and, and kind of breaks the dam, so to speak. Um, but, you know, overall, we're, we're just trying to build a great game that people want to play. I think the last piece that I'll mention there that's relevant is what Nico brought up earlier. Why did you play League of Legends? They had big, fat prize pools for tournaments, right? And what can we do? You know, we have a lot of capital. We can go out and throw tournaments with a million plus dollar prize pools, right? And we almost certainly will do that. So I think that's um, that's the other part of the answer is, you know, we can create sort of hype and buzz around tournaments and events. And then I think once you, once you are drawn in initially to Parallel, there's so much, right? There's so much to dig into. There's lore. The art is amazing. The game should be competitive and fun. The rewards should be incentivizing you to go deeper. So we can just create that initial attention and awareness by spending money and you know working with people who we've built a relationship with and then i believe once you start playing parallel you're going to be like okay shit this is you know and then i think the numbers will start to reflect that in organic growth and we'll ha we'll be you know up there with the the most played web3 games and hopefully shatter that uh web3 game you know barrier and just be a game at the end of the day we, we've always said that it's game first we're a game um we're using nft technology as a means to create new experiences with the game but it's a game period so uh, i want that perception to really shine through and i think that will be how we appeal to to a larger player base 
Yeah, I would love to see the public perception change around NFTs and NFT gaming. I really hope Parallel can hit that goal because I would love to see more people into this space. And speaking of esports and, and competition, Nico, as as we've said, you've had a lot of experience there. And I'm sure do you, do you have some thoughts or questions about Parallel and the potential of esports? Yeah, um, I, I think that idea and the plan moving forward sounds really good in a perspective of enabling esports from what I've seen. And it's funny, you know, I'm thinking when we're talking about all these NFTs and this like barrier to entry, if we talk about barrier to entry to play League of Legends today, 120, 130 champions, you, you get to free try six and then you have to earn yourself up in order to play them like it's a hefty investment to just have the champions to play the actual game and at the end of the day that money's lost forever like that that's just lost so like i don't think we're far away from this this magical barrier of nfts uh, being scary and bad to break and uh once it breaks we're not talking web 3 and web 2 games we're just talking games and you have games with NFTs and without, and you have games uh, with blockchain and without. Um, one of the big talking points that I wanted to bring in today uh, and discussions that I wanted to have was um, that the plan for competition, leagues, esports, and how do uh, you mentioned talking to a lot of different uh, esport orgs? Like, what's the plan to? facilitate them to actually want to participate in parallel and also to maybe make parallel uh into an esports friendly game that people want to watch like what's mm -hmm. the what's the enjoyment for the end user to watch a parallel tournament like why would i spend five hours that i do every time there's a league of legends finals watching parallel yeah, I think hopefully because uh, the game is is really exciting and it's um, you know got a combination of balance and ability to construct unique strategies that creates exciting results, right? Like you know comebacks and and sort of wild wild approaches that nobody ever thought of being used. Um, and then obviously the visual flourish of the game has to be there. It has to visually look stunning. But given the quality of our visual producers, I have zero doubt about that. And obviously I've seen um, you know much of the the visual product already the the animations and stuff like that obviously haven't been you know produced um for you know this card attacks that one and then psh, like the actual character does you know that that part isn't done yet but the the core ui looks really good and um the gameplay is good so i think that you know quality of the game and the, the visual flourishes is probably the number one answer but then also you know because people that you like in the content creation world you know we've gone out and talked to them and encourage them to to play parallel um you know obviously with the esports organizations we want to send them you know the craziest swag pack you've ever seen right and that's already being developed right so just mind-blowing swag packs like at the end of the day what makes parallel special is we just like go way above and beyond with shit and i think creating experiences that are really special and like whoa holy shit i haven't seen that before and we can do that in our relationship building with esports organizations and individuals um, so, you know, kind of working with organizations, content creators and giving them, you know, sort of direct appeal or incentive to just say, Hey, look, come play parallel, you know, we'll, uh, we'll figure out a way to make it, make it work for you. Um, and, and then just kind of create that organic interest in playing in general, you know, through 
the quality of the game, the visuals, um, and then prize pools that are associated with competitive events. I think that's kind of the reasons why you would watch. It's like if, if there's a million dollars on the line and the game is exciting and it visually looks great and some of your favorite content creators are going to be involved, you're going to watch, right? And I think that those are boxes that we, we feel confident we can check. Well, a lot of exciting things up, a lot of a lot of things that we're like super stoked about as a research team and here at Balthazar. But as we wrap up, Fitch, we got to be honest with you. There's one thing, one little thing that we couldn't find in the research, and that was where's the roadmap? Where's the dates uh, for these releases that we're so excited about? Is that an intentional piece and philosophy from the team or is it just that you don't have any dates out yet? Yeah, we it's intentional, I think. Um, we had a very early roadmap, but it's it's quite outdated now. And I think, you know, the the idea is that game development has so many twists and turns in it. And we feel really confident with, you know, the the internal timelines that we have for the game coming out. And I think that like when we've spoken publicly about it, it's you can expect in Q1 to be playing parallel um, in some format, right, uh, of the coming year. So that is something that we've said and we feel really confident about, but then kind of putting out a roadmap, it's just like, what would you have on the roadmap? And, you know, the, you know how it is with, with communities, they'll be like, why did you, why is that thing not the way that you said it was? And it's like, well, it's very complicated, right? Um, so I think that roadmaps tend to be a little bit more harm than they are good. Um, and that's part of the reason that we're staying away from them and just kind of honoring whatever it takes to make the, the game and the experience excellent. And if that's a little bit more time or something happens ahead of time, as is often the case, um, you know, the roadmap is kind of just a needless tie down to sort of an arbitrary, an arbitrary date. Um, there are some sort of things that will have roadmaps that are coming around the corner. So maybe like roadmaps for specific parts of parallel or echelon or things like that. But um, in terms of like the overall, when are you going to be able to play this game? You know, we can give a general answer on that. And that's, um, you know, sort of Q1 of the coming year. Um, but we, we don't feel like a roadmap is prudent. It just, again, it creates a lot of problems. So we've, uh, we've tried to stay away from those. Yeah. So under promise and over deliver. That's the, that's the cliche phrase. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I think that's really healthy. I, I know we're, uh, we're about to end off, but I had like one little squeezy last question that I wanted to bring in and you have this lore that makes me want to read more. Mm -hmm. You have the artwork that is the best in, in web three. And honestly, some of the best game artwork that I've ever seen I, in regular I, gaming as well. Yeah. Music. Yeah. We actually have the guy who did uh rogue one trailer. Um, that composition is doing parallel music. So we've put out little teasers of it. We have actually, I believe now full tracks for like parallel overall universe. Uh, we have, I think, right now is being worked on each specific faction um and then we have like other stuff for the for specific cards that some of them have sound um so some of the perfect loop cards have sound as well so we got you music will be there for sure and then when it comes to other visuals um we announced a partnership with superconductor who is the studio that uh the russo brothers who did avengers infinity and endgame and justin lynn who did fast and furious and many other things um, they run that studio and they're going to be working with us for visual production. So at core, that's game trailer, but 
that implies maybe other things in the future. Um, it opens that relationship up. You know, we would love to be on the big screen. We would love to be in television. Um, and certainly there have been uh, some very preliminary conversations around those kind of things. So, yeah, my favorite thing on that tweet was the top response was HBO series win. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> right when they saw the superconductor, that's like instantly where people's mind went. To I mean, I would, I would love it. You know, I would watch. Yeah, I'd watch more than, more than anyone. Probably I would I would be super keen on it. So yeah. I, I think the the ultimate challenge for a game is to stick yourself in people's brains so that they never let go. Like yeah. I've played games 25 years ago that I like the the theme is in my head or yeah. some of the uh, voice actor lines just from yeah. like Oblivion, old Oblivion is like or original Starcraft, right? Just just a voice line and it just it just sticks and you never forget it. Then you think about like sell the themes or, or final fantasy themes and just like the, the background music in an area, you just like reminisce back to it all the time. And, and I, I hope parallel is able to create that. There hasn't mm -hmm. been a single crypto game, a blockchain game, a web three game that has done anything when it comes to really sticking in my brain uh with uh, voice actors or sound or music yet mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that parallel will be able to do that me too and i think that would be a great way to summarize kind of our aspirations it's like a game but then also so much more and so the the game itself should be compelling and make you want to play it but there should be this total experience that you have with parallel that is like wow this is amazing and that's, you know, the vision of our founders and that's what we're trying to execute every day. And so, you know, sort of regular quality is not enough. We, we are obligated to go further just to create that, like, wow, like that is amazing. And, uh, I think that for even myself, that happens on a very regular basis. So, um, hopefully we can ship something at scale to people that they'll say, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time here, Fitch, today. I want to give you a chance as we sign off. Anything you want to shout out about the project or where can people learn more and follow along with the team and the development of this project? Yeah, I mean, check us out on Twitter. That's the best place to get sort of regular uh, recurring information at ParallelNFT on Twitter. And then Parallel.life is our website. There's so much good stuff on there. A lot more stuff coming. We're actually adding a, lot, a whole content section um, so, you know, there's the lore that we've talked about. You can see some of the artwork. Um, and if you're interested in picking up a couple of cards, you know, you can check us out. Uh, Parallel Alpha is our collection on OpenSea and uh, browse through there. And there's a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, I think that's probably the main things. And if you're interested in following uh, me on Twitter, you can find me at Fitch Inverse. Um, and hopefully I post some interesting stuff. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Thank you, Nico and Fitch for joining me here today. Everyone, you should go check out this project. And if you haven't already, definitely go check out the research report uh, written by Nico and the team here at Balthazar. Uh, there's lots of exciting things coming up and Fitch, two thumbs up for us. We're waiting to play it next uh, next year and we're excited. I'll get you guys in as soon as I can. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm actually so excited. Thank you for uh, coming to our little interview here, Fitch. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm already looking forward to have another reason to have an interview with you in the future uh, to talk about more parallel stuff. And uh, yeah, best luck, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys.